these this one book that we're shooting uh we had an artist draw um different you know like ritualistic kind of things and and symbols and you know like a lot of it he made up from his head i think but he might have researched some other ones i'm not quite sure but we had to shoot that thing no joke three different times because every time we something would go wrong with the card that would be saving the file oh, and no. It, it got to the point where um, on the fourth try it worked, but if it didn't on the fourth try, no joke, I was going to be, I was going to literally say, okay, we should not be doing this. Like there's something about it which doesn't want to be captured. guys are certainly in for one major scary and horrific treat. We have horror producer Justin Ross, who has produced films such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, the new Mortuary Collection starring Glancy Brown and Euphoria's Jacob Elordi, and his upcoming project, The Old Ways. Let's sit down with our friend Justin as we talk about horror and what it's like working in the horror industry. And of course, the moment you've all been waiting for, hauntings on a horror film set. Justin has quite a collection of experiences and tales from cast and crew members who have experienced something otherworldly while on location during the shoot of these films. What goes bump behind camera? And what were the causes of these battery packs and cameras going on the fritz while shooting on these haunted locations? We also discuss what it's like working a whole two weeks at the infamously haunted Heritage Square located here in Los Angeles, California. So sit back, relax, and quiet on the set as we roll sound and call action. Now let's get Holly Weird with horror producer Justin Ross. They're coming to get you, all you Holly Weirdos. Hey guys, it's Tammy here. And real quickly, I just wanted to share some exciting news with you all. We have partnered up with an amazing company called Jupiter. Jupiter is a company based out of the US and they produce some amazing organic CBD drops. If you're one of the 90% of us who feel stressed, it's time to try Jupiter. Their USDA organic CBD drops help you feel relaxed and happy without any high. So it's time to invest in yourself. Now, what we found very unique and found comforting about Jupiter is that the products are made in the USA. They're carefully crafted from single origin family farms. They're sustainable, triple lab tested, and their hemp extract is made with only flowers, the most valuable part of the plant. They're also certified organic, meaning they're 100% USDA certified, all natural, vegan, and non-GMO. 
Another great detail about Jupiter CBD drops is that they offer three types of strengths. You can opt for the low, the medium, or the strong, which is 450 milligram to 1350 milligram. I'm currently on the medium, which is 900, and I absolutely love it. It has definitely helped me out with my depression. It's helped me create a better sleep cycle, and it's definitely offered me a ton of clarity. Now, it's guaranteed stress relief. It offers a fresh mint flavor, and there's a 30-day risk-free trial and free shipping and free returns if you are not up for the product. If it doesn't work out for you, it's absolutely okay. To learn more about Jupiter, head on over to getjupiter.com. That's getjupiter.com. Use the code TAM, T-A-M, to save 20% off your first order. Feel calm, focused, and happy. It's time to let go of your stress with Jupiter Organic CBD Drops. Now, on with the show. Um, all right. So, hey, guys, we are sitting here today with not only one of my really good friends from grad school, but also a producer in the horror genre. And I'm so, so proud of him and all of his endeavors. Guys, I want to introduce oh, you to <laughs> my friend Justin T. Ross, and also <laughs> one of the producers of the Mortuary Collection, yes. which quite a few of you guys have seen. And if you haven't, then where have you been? It is a horror, mm -hmm. horror anthology. It stars Clancy Brown and Euphoria's Jacob Elordi. Justin, hello. Hi. <laughs> Justin, hey tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the horror mm -hmm. genre. Ah, sure. So, um, Tammy, we go way back now. Oh, we're, we're back my to God. I feel Florida so old. State. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I won't get into specifics to, to you know, spare us that. But it was a long time ago. And um, we uh, were down in Florida. And uh, I'd always loved horror films, obviously, like a lot of us um, who are kind of in the business. It's like one of the first times that we really experience feeling uh, a power in cinema, you know. And um, so when we're down there uh, at Florida State, I end up uh, running into my directing partner, Ryan Smidell, who is uh, the director, writer-director of the Mortuary Collection. And um, he, although, you know, I love horror films, he is kind of like fully in love with horror films. And this guy <laughs> has been studying it and, and eats, drinks, sleeps, breathes horror films. And so um, his love kind of like, I think, brought a lot of us to uh, engage with that genre even more. And I was one of them. And uh, yeah, so we, we all kind of got together and started to, to make scary movies and we haven't stopped, so. Now you mentioned Florida State. Do you, rem mm -hmm. I, I know not a lot of our listeners are fans of this other podcast and guys, Justin, Ryan and I, we went to school with these two, well, actually a couple of these peeps from my <laughs> last podcast on the left, we went to school mm -hmm. with Henry and Jackie Sabrowski. And That's right. we, also, That's yeah. right. <laughs> we also went to school with um, Holden McNeely as well. So we went you to school with all of them. It's always like such a small world. It is, especially oh, yeah, in know. theater. In right. theater. <laughs> That is so true. City, but it's actually the largest little town. You're just like, oh, everyone knows each other somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, and, and Tallahassee was... in the genre community too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's even smaller. So yeah, quite quite small. And when you're living in Tallahassee, you just know everyone. So small <laughs> 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 town mentality. So yeah, yeah, guys, we have six degrees of separation with like Henry and Jackie Sabrowski and Holden McNeely. 
And um, so let's jump into this. So we actually met on a little a little film that you guys were doing, your um, your thesis film, and that was with yeah. Ryan, and that was um, oh my god, I forgot the name Kirk of it, Kirksdale, Kirksdale, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, there's this thing with uh, horror and haunts. <laughs> it mm -hmm. seems like every mm -hmm. location that you find, Justin, is <laughs> haunted. Can you imagine, like Bryce, if you, were, if you were, <laughs> if Bryce yeah. was starring in any of these films, like, uh, there have to be several waivers for him to sign. Uh, Tyler. <laughs> like, I will be in The Strangers. It will be a whole thing. <laughs> we should just, so Bryce, if you ever come out to one of our sets, we need to have a behind-the-scenes cameraman just on you, is what yeah. you're saying. Oh, honestly, okay. that's okay. it. That's all you need. Definitely that, that the best way to spend budget. It becomes its own movie. You know? But yeah, there there seems to be this element where um, every single place that we shoot, and even starting from the thesis film where we met, it was haunted and there were a lot of stories <laughs> attached to it. Oh, yeah. oh, Justin, yeah. can you tell us like a couple of stories? We got a couple from Callie. Sure. She was on our um you know, I yeah, we That's got a couple great. from yeah from Callie when we talked about the mortuary and a little tidbit when I spoke about the thesis, but you pretty much got the gist of everything that was going on. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you want me? Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you the Kirksdale uh, kind of setup. It, it, this place, um, it, it's it was beautiful, it's magical, and you know we seek we seek out these like really dark, spooky places <laughs> that have a lot of character. But you know, normally dark, spooky places have a lot of character are haunted. So. <laughs> We um we were looking for an old kind of like semi-abandoned or or empty building that was kind of by itself, and um, we searched the whole area of like Florida and Georgia and such, and eventually found this old uh, abandoned plantation mansion, and it was what like three stories, wouldn't you say, Tammy? When it, it yeah, was it was it was, it was three stories and a big basement. Yeah, and it was just all by itself, like trees that lined the the driveway up to it from like. I felt, felt like a mile drive. But the creepy thing is like to get there, it took about maybe 15 minutes of a drive on a lonely little gravel road where you haven't seen anyone else for like 15 minutes, not even like a shack. It's just empty, empty, empty like fields and yeah. you keep going and going and going. all of a sudden this monstrosity appears. And it was beautiful and haunting, old and kind of like creepy, you know, cause it's probably got a, a eerie past with this being kind of like plantations and such. Um, so in there, it's like kind of this, uh, I don't know, how would you describe it? Older, uh, old architecture, very Southern. Yeah. Uh, very Savannah-esque, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get there with Google maps or Yahoo maps <laughs> was pretty interesting. Cause yes, it was back then guys, before oh we God. had. <laughs> the the you got your print out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of us did. Directions. Yeah, part of, like, part of being a producer back in the day was warning your crew would actually get lost and never be found again. <laughs> so it was a little scary going all the way out there. But um, so we're out there and, uh, you know, part of making a movie is you got to be there ahead of time. You're prepping and you're um, mm -hmm. uh, designing and you're building and you're set dressing and all that jazz. And our production designer was a guy by the name of Arturo Yepes, and he was awesome and um, a good friend. And so he was there a couple days prior kind of by himself because you know it's a mm -hmm. student thesis film we didn't have a big crew um so he was like building fake bars on windows and setting up like uh a little 
medical kind of autopsy room in the basement by himself, which is already starting to probably make things a little creepy in his brain. Uh, but he's a pretty <laughs> tough dude. He's an, he was an older guy and he had like, uh, he was from Ecuador. He even been kidnapped uh, once before at like night points. So like he, and he doesn't really bat an eye at such things. But I remember strongly, we um, pulled up the morning of the first day of production and he had spent the night there by himself. And uh, I was the first one to get there, going to unlock things and everything to meet him with some coffee. And I saw, I pulled up after that long drive and he's sitting on the front steps by himself, like smoking a cigarette. And you could tell like there was a whole pile of butts. <laughs> in front of me. I'm like, I'm butt, not butts, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I pull up and I'm like, hey man, how you doing? He's like, well, I'm good. I'm good. Glad you're here. It's great. Thanks for coffee. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go now. I'm like, what, what's going on? It's like, and so he told me the story where basically he was in the basement building this medical area and up top, he kept hearing like doors and footsteps and things. And he thought that someone like I had shown up to like, I don't know, bring coffee in the middle of the night or something. And yeah. so he'd go up, look around and be like, uh, hello, no one's in here. And again, this thing is like, uh, you don't stumble across this thing. There isn't like a, gard a gardener or a groundskeeper or someone that can just kind of like stick their head in. So no one was up there and he'd go out, he'd open up the front door and look and there isn't a car anywhere and no one could walk to this place. And oh so it kind of really drove home the fact that like for a while he thought someone was like hiding in the, in the building right. because it was so loud. And he was like, okay, maybe it's just in my head and, you know, I'm starting to psych myself out because it was spooky. So he went downstairs and kept working and then more footsteps. And it wasn't just like one person's footsteps, but it was like multiple sets. And they started not just walking, but running. Oh, and, my God. And so then he's like, oh, my God. And he got so freaked out that he found that he had a radio or something in his car, like a portable radio. And he just turned it up and barricaded the door that he was in and kept working. So he couldn't hear the noises up top. But apparently it got so loud that it was like he had to just drown him out and pretend <laughs> that it wasn't there. So he got his work done like a great production designer and then ran upstairs and shut the door and sat there and waited for me to show up in the morning. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Yeah. Pretty what, a, what a trooper. Like for him, he's like, no, yeah. I'm going to drown you out with the radio. Yeah. And me, I think I would have left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Bryce would have ran like he would have sprinted. It would have been like a record breaking sprint. Oh, yeah. You lost me at basement. So <laughs> it was great. It was great. That was that was one of the stories that circulated was Arturo's uh experience, which was something, you know, very interesting because like he is not into this kind of stuff. He doesn't believe, I don't think he believed in it. And he was just more of like, let's get this job done. And no matter how many times he tried to like, I guess, block it out, it was still, you know, scaring the crap out of him. I mean, I feel like he was unnerved, but wasn't frightened. He was just like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. <laughs> I got yeah. to I'll just lock the door and then I can feel okay and turn up the music so I don't hear it. Good, just do my work. So. <laughs> Because almost anyone else would have like cracked and ran, and then we wouldn't have a set. To that is true. such a commitment to his job. Like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep working. Like, I'm pretty sure you get hazard pay for that or something. Like, somehow, I think you were paying. You know, if you think about it. So yeah, yeah. the dynamic yeah. was off for sure. But um, yeah, a lot of spooky stuff down there. Um, the uh, when the owners came by set to see it, and um, they're like, oh, want to see what's going on? Blah 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 blah. Um. I had noticed, how did this come up? Oh yeah. So I had noticed when, because again, I'd normally be the first person there and the last person out. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure all the lights were off, you know, because we didn't want to like run out the power. We weren't paying for that. Um, they're being very kind to let us use it. So 
I noticed there was one room when I'd go to lock everything up and turn off the lights um, that the light would usually be on. So I turned it off. But then I started to think that I was going a little insane because I'd leave and I'd start driving away and I'd look back and that dang room, the light would still be on. And oh, it's a room gosh. in the top right corner of the house. I don't mm -hmm. remember this now. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah. so it started to kind of like, I'm like, ah, again, kind of like a turtle. Maybe it's just in my head. And, um, but when the family showed up, I asked, I'm like, hey, this might sound really stupid. And I bet you get questions about ghosts all the time. But there's this room up there and I turn off the lights and, and, you know, I'm trying to be a good steward of your property, but I swear mm -hmm. to God, it keeps coming back on. They're like, Oh, well that's so-and-so's room. And that was the last surviving member of the family. And oh she died God. there. She stayed there by herself all the way out in the middle of nowhere. This house, it had servant quarters on the top. Like in its heyday, it had like, it was probably bustling with like dozens of people. But in the last, like, you know, few days, it was just this older woman by herself in that room. And apparently she likes to leave the light on. And I'm like, okay, so I've just been turning off the lady's light, probably pissing her off. It would have been good to know that. We could keep it on. <laughs> you I went to apologize and I like brought another light and I plugged it in. I'm like, here, here. This is, I'm so sorry if this was upsetting you because, you know, I'm just trying to save yeah. your power. <laughs> I remember the, I think makeup was stationed there uh, or special effects was stationed there too at one point. And mm -hmm. they would tell me like, we're going to turn off the light TME and watch. I promise you it's going to turn back on once we leave the property. And you can see it like midway um, when you're you know, like in the middle of the field from the property. And sure enough, when I would look at my rear view mirror, that light, I would see it. It would, it would, it was on. So, <laughs> and there was no way like from, from what I, from what I remember, like someone being there and like, turning it back on or being in that FX room. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like interesting stories connected to that property. And I know, um, I think uh, our lighting, I think it was lighting or sound had an issue in the library, even like the first day that we moved in, when we started loading in, like something happened, like something, a book flew off the bookshelf um, oh, from right. one side. Yeah. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. It flew yeah. far. It's it's far. I remember that. I remember I was filling up the tank for the steamer in the bathroom next to the library. And um, I know it was Kevin. It was Kevin. That was the same Kevin. And all of a sudden I hear this thump against the wall and Kevin freaks out, starts cursing up a storm. And I go in and I'm like, Kevin, is everything okay? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I am not kidding. There is a book that flew from this side of the room from the oh bookshelf. God. And it hit the opposite side of the wall, Tammy, where the wall separating this room and the bathroom. Didn't you hear it? I'm like, yeah, I heard the thumb. I thought something fell. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, he was setting up the, the office table for the doctor for that scene. And he was like, I was nowhere near that bookshelf. <laughs> that was so unexplainable. But I think it was because it was a mixture of us coming in and whatever. And like, of course, we were doing a major set change in dress, like, we were turning this house, Bryce, into this right. asylum. And I mean, we we're taking doors off and putting bars in them to make it look like they were in prison. And it was a big change. And I'm sure whatever was there was like, what the hell is going on? Think about, like, I feel like if there was a Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like if there was like a consciousness, though, because I never felt anything like I didn't feel threatened. I never Me felt like bad yeah. juju. It was just like they may well, might have wanted to be like, hey, just so you know, we're here and we're watching you and don't yeah. screw up the house or don't like abuse it or take yeah. good care of it. And we did. 
And so I think because no one really screwed around with the house or like damaged things or d- had disrespect to it, it never really escalated to something that would have been truly terrifying. But yeah, yeah it was the, the energy felt, you know, it was interesting and eerie, but it never really felt bad or malicious, I think. Well, and yeah. Cam, you talk about that so often and like we've talked about that on past episodes where it's just like the energy you bring into a place is sort of reflected back to you. And so you see these people who go in and they're so disrespectful or just like mm-hmm. callous or like irreverent of the history. And then they're like, and then I was pushed down the stairs. And it's like, well, what did you expect? Like you came in, like if exactly. you came into my house, I would push you down the stairs too. But I'm just kind of a monster. But like, <laughs> it's just insane. Like they, it's like you go in expecting no consequences for the things that you bring into it so it's like Mm -hmm. when you go in with like respect and trying to preserve the house and all those things like that is reflected back to you as well yeah absolutely tim did i ever tell you about 12 oaks there this is maybe one of the scariest things i've ever experienced in my life and that happened at the same time what uh so do tell tell. yeah yeah so um 12 oaks (laughs) Uh, was a bed and breakfast. Were you staying with us there, or were you at the other bed and breakfast? In town? I I can't remember. I I I think this was the one that was haunted, and it had a haunted room. But I remember staying one night because I had to go back and forth because I was teaching mm, uh, tech right, classes. Right. Yeah, but I, I remember I had. Oh, there was, and you drove. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I had to stay a night because it was like one of the biggest shoots that we were doing, and that's when we were doing the bloodbath shoot with. Josh and everything. <laughs> so I had to be there overnight. Okay. Was it in town or out of town where you stayed? I believe it was in town, but I remember okay. like everyone yeah. was staying there. And right, right, I that's remember. the case. Okay. So there, there are two bed and breakfasts that we put the cast and crew up in, um, in this little town in Monticello, uh, Florida, and it was the closest town to um, this plantation that we shot Kirkstow at. My story is at uh, Twelve Oaks, which was an old mansion on the outskirts of town. So there wasn't anything else around. And um, we got there and it's this cool, beautiful old thing, but it was a a true plantation as well. And in the back, you can see the remnants of where the slave quarters were, like these shacks. It's really eerie. um, But again, tree-lined streets going up to it all by itself, kind of, you know, old semi-Gothic building. And so we all stayed there and um, the... uh, the gentleman that ran it was a guy by the name of Ian, and he was an, a nice enough dude. He uh, he likes supporting film students. He's really cool. Um, but I, held, I had, and so we'd hang out with us at night, and you know, have a beer or two after we wrapped and, and talk. And I noticed that every night around like two o'clock in the morning or so, if we were all still up, he would excuse himself and go into his room. And I started like it, it was kind of like a the energy around it felt weird. Like he was like, mm. oh, uh, I gotta go. And so one night I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, I, I couldn't help but notice you get up and you go away around two in the morning. He's like, yeah, um, I don't really want to like, I don't want to scare you scare easy. I'm like, oh, well, hell no. I want to hear it. You know, tell me. Uh, now. So he's <laughs> like, OK, so this guy is from uh, London and I think he was like Tommy Hilfiger's butler. No joke. Back in the day. And he retired, took all of his money and moved to this place. And his whole plan was to buy an old mansion and turn it to a B&B and just like live there. And so he found this place on the outskirts of Monticello, Florida and um, set up shop. And he was all by himself, but he like kind of bought it right when he landed. So he didn't really have a chance to really feel it out. Mm-hmm. So he's there all by himself. And he started to notice at like 2, 12 in the morning, every morning, if he was out painting or, you know, whatever, 
uh, noises would start to happen. And then he started getting specific and listening from the noises every, every night. And what it turns out, apparently, this is what he told me, is like at 2.12 in the morning, a back door sounds like it opens, footsteps come through the back door, through the kitchen, up the steps, down the hallway, and into the master bedroom. And he said, it's so specific that it started to drive him nuts. And he almost sold the house. But he's like, oh I can't God. do this. I put it all together. I can't move now. So the only way he deals with it is because this is apparently the only thing that is haunted in the house. But this happens like clockwork. So he goes into his room. He has an alarm on his watch or whatever. And he turns up like a sound machine or whatever. And he sleeps. Or he puts earplugs or something. I figure what he does. But as long as he's in his room with the door locked, he can process. Kind of like the basement with Arturo. Yeah. <laughs> habit and so he doesn't like he doesn't really think about it and doesn't scare him anymore he just doesn't want to see it or hear it so um i thought he was a chain i'm like all right this is i think he's just screwing with this because he was a funny guy but uh, nevertheless his habit got me thinking so i told the rest of like the crew that was staying with us and they're like really i'm like yeah like so we're gonna stay up right like yeah so that night we all got more beers and sat around a little bit longer. <laughs> and we're all like being jovial and like tough guys. And I think, I forget who was all with us, but around two in the morning rolls around and suddenly our kind of toughness starts to get a little bit more quiet. And then two twelve happens and Ooh. you know, you could drop a pin and we're all just like trying to act tough again, but terrified and nothing happens. And like two fifteen comes around and nothing happens and two twenty, And finally people are like, all right, he's screwing with us. That jerk. He really got us because we were scared. So we all pack up and I'm cleaning up the beer bottles and everyone's in the room and I'm about to turn off the lights. It's like two forty or something. And sure enough, in the back, I think Stop. I hear a door and I'm like, what the heck, man? So I walk back there and sure enough, there's a creak, 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 and it, you can follow it. And so I followed the sounds. They go up the steps. Oh my God. Into the master bedroom. So at that point I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> no way. And then from then on out, I excused myself at two in the morning and would go into a room and put it in. It always know, happens yeah. to be the last person in the party to <laughs> something when everybody leaves. Uh -huh. It yeah. sounds like something residual. Like a, it yeah, sounds it's like yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing, or I mean it sounds kind of eerie, but I will tell you where the steps are coming from, that door where the slave quarters in the back. And they're going to the master bedroom. So I don't know what that means. Oh but my gosh. really spooky. Uh, and the place is beautiful. And outside, like, I'd go back and, you know, just to hear that again. Because it's pretty fantastical. Wow. 12 Oaks in, in yeah. Monticello, Florida, right? Or Mond mm -hmm. no, Monticello, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. remember the name of the other Airbnb. But apparently, um, I think it was uh, Scott uh, and his girlfriend were staying in one of the haunted yes. rooms. And it was apparently, it was like the red room inside of this Airbnb. And it was like the most haunted one because apparently a, someone was killed in that room. And you can see like, yeah, the ghost of this woman <laughs> in this room or she can enter your dreams. And I remember Scott's girlfriend oh, said nope. uh, something nope. like, oh, nothing's happened to us in that room. Sometimes you get a weird vibe. But I remember having like a couple of weird dreams of this woman sitting <laughs> on my bed. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that could be her making her presence known. But I, yeah, it just seems like anywhere you would go in this small town. It's like different places would be, would have like ghost stories attached to it. Which yeah. was so interesting, yeah. of course. <laughs> and then of course, Justin, you move in. You moved to LA and then you uh -huh. move into this very interesting. <laughs> it, it follows you, Justin. It's so interesting. Uh, you know, <laughs> follow. What can I say? 
I, I like interesting old houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like is a word we could definitely throw out there, Justin. Um, this one is very unique. So Florida State alumni kind of passed this house down for like, I think, 20 years in renting. So like when people would move out, someone would kind of move to Los Angeles from Tallahassee. They'd be like, everyone knew about this house. And uh, eventually it would just kind of keep cycling through. And so I moved in whenever I came out again, way too long ago. And uh, uh, this was a house kind of by Jumbo's Clown Room in town uh, in Los Feliz uh, on Winona Boulevard. And um, this thing is really old and beautiful. And again, three stories in a basement, which is kind of rare for Los Angeles, as you guys mm-hmm. know. Um, but kind of a Spanish style, um, lots of old wood inside, like built-in bars, sliding pocket doors, things like that, and mm-hmm. big fireplace, and just gorgeous, beautiful things. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, some people said that they saw a lot of things uh, in there. I, I didn't ever feel anything bad or see anything really terrifying. Um, but the, the spooky thing about it, theoretically, is that there was a young boy buried in the front yard mm-hmm. that was and paved over and turned into a little courtyard. And the reason why we know this is that there is a little tombstone that we found in the basement. Um, oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I know. And what's his name? And um, so we uh, we did some research, and it looks like that was a case. And that was like the family, then the Penn family or something like that. And so um, every year on, his, on Bobby's birthday, we would have a little birthday party for Bobby and kind of like get a little cake and give him a, like a little offering oh. and celebrate toast. And I feel like... Yeah, there was any bad juju it went away when because they this guy probably knew that we gave it you know what and uh, took uh. care of him so but it was a pretty it had a lot of character and i think a, a couple times uh in specifically that tombstone we had a dog there at one point and the dog would growl that tombstone from time really to time. yeah and that was a little spooky dogs now yeah, they know. What they were uh, some of the stories or things that people would go through um, in that house that would kind of freak them out? Have they ever shared that with you? Yeah, you know, um, a couple random things where they, people would see something out in the corner of their eye or a shadow or here and there. Um, oh. No, like nothing, nothing that would really like make someone scream and run away. <laughs> but mm. um, the spookiest thing that happened in that house is well, we had a Halloween party one year and um, as one does, uh, gets a good idea to break out a, a Ouija board. Oh, of course. Um, I attended one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you were here at this party. But well, we all ended up in my room on the third floor, sitting on the floor and doing this Ouija board thing. And um, it was so the party was going on down below on the first floor, and we're on the third floor. And so we're hanging out, doing the Ouija board, and uh, we start getting some responses, and it's someone talking about how they were you know, an actor and this is their name. And, mm. you know, they, it was like 1924 or something They came over. I don't know. And so we started Googling this. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I was the one Googling this while everyone else was doing the Ouija boards. Cause I was going to kind of maybe disprove it. So I'm going through the motions of <laughs> Wikipedia and everything and uh, nothing's lining up. I'm not finding this. I'm thinking it's kind of BS. Uh, but then, uh, and I'm telling them nothing's lining up and we go through, this is like 30 minutes of pretty specific answers um came from london uh it was an actor uh it started in like the the pre-talkie era or something like that and then came out and did this stuff and then didn't live in the house but was there in the house now um i'm not sure why and some other things and uh then some i'm like hey i'm not seeing this guy's name just so you know and they said well is there like is there another is there we don't see you or something like that is there a reason why do you have any other names or something and uh he then spelled out like uh, 
uh, I forget what it was, but it was a nickname in the front instead of like his main name. And I typed that in and everything lined right up. <gasps> that came out from oh, I wish it, I wish we knew what, who it was. Oh, that would have been so cool. But it was, it it was really, really scary. Yeah. And uh, the guy seemed cool enough. And we were asking, uh, so we're like, okay, well, do you know the people who live here? And what do you think? They're like, yeah, it's cool. And everyone seemed fine. And uh, we asked about one of my roommates who was downstairs. Like, do you know, uh, her name is Kim. And uh, he goes, spelt out wet. And uh, like, well, that's kind of weird and maybe a little inappropriate. I don't know what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, Kim, uh, like about five minutes later or so, came upstairs to change uh, in her room because she had spilled beer all over herself. Oh, and so, oh. Damn. And we stopped. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was pretty interesting. Damn. When people say we that stuff Ouija is, is fake, no, there's something to it, you know. It could be definitely used as a tool of communication, but that is crazy. I remember I had a very terrifying experience in that house, Justin. Oh, I met Leatherface. Nope. <laughs> Leather <laughs> Dan Yeager. Oh, <laughs> Dan Yeager. My husband and I, we met Leatherface from one of the, uh, yeah, the, oh my God, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. movies. You you were one of the producers of, it, it, which one was yeah. it? Was it 2000? I was the associate producer on Texas Chainsaw 3D. 3D, um, okay. So yeah, uh, and of course I'm friends with all those guys now and wow. uh, stayed in touch with Dan um, and his wife Deborah were there. Yes. And he had a, a costume, I think it's some sort of a, Freaked me know. out. Free the guy yeah. is like a beanstalk, and Deborah <laughs> is like a lowrider. It is like he he is super tall, and he had this massive, like fake skull head as a mask. Freaked me out. And then he takes it off. He's like, "Oh, hey there," you know. And he's super sweet. <laughs> he's the sweetest person, and he's like, "How tall is he? He's six foot seven. Oh, he's, or he's huge." And yeah. I'm not a big guy, as you know, Tammy. So we'd hang out every now and then, get a, a whiskey or something, and, and look like the odd couple of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we go from we go from well, now let's go from Texas Chainsaw, and then we go into the Mortuary Collection. And this was like literally, I wouldn't, I want to say almost ten years. Could it be ten years? It or? was. Um, yeah, we put together a press kit a little bit ago, and it, it again made me feel because I was digging through emails and such. And Ryan Spindel, the writer-director, um, came up with this idea and then pitched it to me 10 years ago. And uh, we started trying to get it financed around town, set up, and it was very hard to do. It's a horror anthology. And it's very hard to sell a horror, horror anthology back in the day. Now they're starting to get a little bit more popular again. And that's great, because uh, I think a lot of us love those. Mm. But um, back in the day, it was hard to do. So we started trying to get that project off the ground 10 years ago, and uh, about Six years ago, we got a little fed up with it and decided, well, if it's a horror anthology, uh, which is just a feature comprised of little bitty short stories, let's just shoot one of the short stories because we're getting antsy and let's use that as a proof of concept to hopefully raise some money to make the feature. And so we got together with people, wonderful people like Tammy, to put together uh, a short called The Babysitter Murders. And we uh, raised money on Kickstarter, I think about like 60 grand. Uh, and went out and shot the thing. Yeah. So, uh, mm. yeah, and that was six years ago. After that, uh, we the the short was great. We ran around town. It won a lot of film festivals, and we tried again. We're like, hey, finance our movie. Look, it's great. It's awesome. People love it. And uh, after yeah. another year or so, finally someone said yes. And so we went out about three years ago and started shooting the whole feature, and it just came out three weeks ago on Shutter. Oh. 
So yes. it's been a long journey on this one for sure. It's not easy, right, Justin? Um, no. You know, it's it's very difficult. And there's a lot of uh, our listeners too who are in the film mm -hmm. industry sure. or film genre. Um, like what pieces of advice do you have for them mm -hmm. to get into film and especially horror, mm -hmm. you know? What pieces of advice do you have for them like if they're struggling or mm -hmm. where to start? Well, I mean, I think people say this a lot, but I, I really believe it. Um, you have to find material that you're personally connected to, mm -hmm. that you believe in, that you love. Um, because if you're just doing something because it's, say, hot right now or formulaic or someone said, if you can write this or make this, I can get it sold or set up or whatever. If you're doing it for that reason, you're probably not going to have a good time doing it. And at some point, it's so hard to make movies, you're going to quit. You're going to tap out. But if you find a project that you really believe in and you're doing it with friends that you really love and you, you want to be in the trenches, so to speak, with these guys, mm. um, then that's kind of the whole ballgame because the process can take six years, right? <laughs> or yeah. Ten. If oh, yeah. You don't really in it, you're going to do something easier with your time. Uh, and if you want to do anything, if you have an inkling to, you know, uh, if you're just in it for the money and you just want something like comfort or whatever, there are a million other ways that you can get it uh, yeah. a lot easier than making movies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, find something that you believe in, that you love, and then don't stop until it's done. Mm -hmm. Good. Good words of advice right there. <laughs> it's so true. And we do see this passion. We do. Let's backtrack yeah. to the babysitter murders. Uh, <laughs> and this house, we had Callie on our show, I want to say a year ago. Isn't that crazy? And we shared stories about this house. Justin, you have stories of the first house that we shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the house, but it was right across the street from the house where they use the exterior of people under the stairs. And I found out too, that the house that we were shooting in, they used the kitchen, the, I guess, part of the interior of that house for people under the stairs as well. Um, can you tell us, I know you have the stories, the creepy happenings that were going on <laughs> in that house. Cause oh, God. It's, the um, and then you yeah. had a friend who stayed the night. So. That's <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that, I still owe that person quite a bit. Um, <laughs> we, uh, this is a great, cool re old region of town. It's uh, West Adams, and it's um, down by like uh, First uh, Emanuel uh, Annie Church, I think, uh, or something like that. It's it's down um, in the West Adams district, and and apparently back in the day, like a lot of like Great Gatsby style mansions were built up on this hill overlooking downtown. Yes. And um, for whatever reason, a lot of them just like maybe after the crash or something were abandoned and, and kind of left to rot and twist in the wind a little bit. And uh, so there are these cool old buildings that um, were kind of like let go. And over the years, they fell into decay. And then at some point, some individual was like, well, we can rent these out as film sets because there's a lot of character and they're kind of spooky and people always need big old spooky houses to shoot in Los Angeles. So um, in that, on that little street, there were three houses that were shot in quite a bit um, that have a lot of cool old history and are legit, you know, old houses. They're not sets. Mm -hmm. So um, the one that we shot at, you'll, if you ever go there, you'll recognize it in a million horror films because it's just filmed back to back to back to back. Their slates usually like pretty, uh, uh, pretty filled up. Um, so when we got in there, uh, we were probably, I don't know, like the 200th horror film uh, to shoot there. 
and there are remnants within the place of like you know fake blood splattered on the ceiling at least you hope it's fake you know or like uh, <laughs> set with like your yeah, coffin sitting in the corner in the basement you know so That's there's all this, the productions left these really eerie things around you know you, pentagram yeah yeah and um it's uh there's a lot of stuff like that that you know kind of unnerves you but you put in the back of your head you're like yeah this is you know it's all set dressing it's all fake um at least you hope so it is it was again like this big two-story old kind of like gatsby style mansion uh it had a fake cemetery i think it's fake on the side and like uh outside of it and the plot of land it was on was kind of set off from the street so it was it was kind of spooky and quiet so um on productions aside, size, like babysitting murders, like I said, it was only, we only had a little bit of scratch to put it together. And so, um, you know, we certainly don't have money for like a, a security guard to stay at night. So that responsibility falls to me. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I would stay there all night on my own um, to make sure that no one would break in and take our equipment or anything like oh. that because we walk away rap and, you know, it's not really a great neighborhood down there. Um, there's some crime. So I'd lock everything up lock myself in the house and it would get dead quiet and I'd go up to my production office room, a bedroom and roll out my cot and, uh, you know, lay down and try to sleep. And, uh, you'd hear things obviously creaking in the night and such. And as long as the creaks don't sound like someone rummaging, trying to steal your, your lights, you know, you yeah. kind of let it go. But, um, <laughs> one night in particular, uh, I remember hearing something and to this day, it still freaks me out. Um, so I'll back up a little bit on the third floor, there's an attic and, um, you know, we explored every inch of this house just cause it's cool and you can, and we weren't shooting the attic, but I noticed that, um, there's some spooky things in it kind of in a corner, like an old doll and, um, a couple other items. And one of them was a bowl of marbles and, um, so thinking, like children marbles. Yeah. And they're really old. And, oh, uh, so, so it's like, it kind of, it creeped me out a little bit. And so one night I'm there and I'm sleeping. I'm trying to sleep and tossing and turning. I'm hearing some things. And then I wake up, not knowing why, but, you know, you get that feeling like I should be paying attention. It's like your mind woke you up for a reason. Like whatever mm -hmm. you heard was important. Yeah. And then I hear it again. And it's the sound of a marble rolling in the yes. attic. And I'm yes. like, you got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way that was a marble. And so I like, I sit up, right? And I, there was a fan kind of like nearby. So I go in the other room, turn off the fan. I listen. It's dead quiet. And I, there it goes again. A roll. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, great. So I think someone's up there, like screwing around. And I had a machete. I don't know why. It's my only weapon. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of decorative, right? So I'm, you know, I'm a little terrified. I grab my machete and a flashlight because there's no power in the attic. And I climb up into the attic and I shine a light thinking that someone's up there screwing around and there's no one up there. And there's no way someone could have gotten out. And so I look, I don't see any marbles on the floor, but I go over to the bowl and the bowl looks to have moved a little bit. And I'm like, all right, well, something's screwing around up here having fun. Just let it do it. And I said my piece and I went downstairs and I think I slammed a a beer or two really quickly and, and turned, brought that fan into my room, put it right by my head. So I couldn't hear a darn thing and tried to sleep. Um, so yeah, that, that's the scary story of that location that I remember pretty well. And, and uh, I had a buddy, my father came into town, so I didn't, I was going to hang out with him one night. And so I had a friend tap in and stay there for me. And uh, the next day it was a similar Arturo situation where he was waiting outside for me to pull up. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I a lot of things. Don't want to get into it, but uh, I'm ready to go home.
<laughs> oh my god and this guy i think he was like a like he was military and everything like he's like yeah i've seen things so this is like nothing and well, he sure decided enough. To, he was like this is kind of cool i could stay, stay in this house by myself and i think he kind of wanted to challenge um maybe but it yeah it broke him too he yeah. was waiting outside out there so oh uh, my gosh yeah it, <laughs> it seemed like that was like the story with everyone too especially uh the set i think the set designer or set dresser she she was there with you and Ryan and you guys went to go get pizza and she was by herself inside the house and she heard, it sounded like someone was walking up the stairs and up and down the hallway. She called out to you and sure enough, no response. And it was the same thing. Arturo situation. She's sitting outside and you guys finally come back with the pizza. She's like, I, for one thought you guys were seriously back and I thought you guys were going up, like we're on the second floor and she said that something. Looks on you guys. I was. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> All these years. Well, you yeah. yeah she said that something, it sounded like someone or something was in the house with her and she was the only one there at that time as you guys were getting uh, a late, late dinner. So yeah, that house was definitely pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, we, Kelly and I haven't, we didn't really feel or sense anything. I know that uh, one of the stories we heard from the AD was the, um, I think there was a wall or a platform that was leaned against a wall one evening. And when we came in one morning, people were freaking out because that entire platform was on the floor, on the ground. Okay. And they don't know how that happened. And they're like, it didn't look like it slid onto the ground. I mean, the way that we kind of erected it against the wall, like it was pretty solid. So for <laughs> it to end up on the floor that way, they were just like, we don't know what happened. There wasn't any damage to it, no scratches yeah. or anything. So it was, whatever's there, it's, 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 it was definitely making its presence known to everyone. Like, I guess, like you said, Justin, like, we're here, don't mess around with the house, you know, kind of thing. Haunting that house, you're attached to that for some reason. All these production companies like, come in and they like, you know, punch holes in the walls and they scratch up the floor and they don't yeah. care. Um, and we we went, we did a lot of work because when we showed up, there were literally holes in the walls and other stuff. It was vacant, empty, and we wanted to make it look like um, a lived-in home, like an actual house. So like, we painted all the walls, we patched wow. holes, we did all these things. So it by the time it was done, you couldn't really tell that it was pretty broken down mm -hmm. um, I mean the thing could be condemned there's literally holes that you can like look through the walls and see like downtown LA um at least there was when we shot there a few years ago but oh but, yeah yeah it's like we put a lot of TLC into it so maybe that's why we didn't get the Jesus scared <laughs> out of us who knows I'm sure if you ask around and the next person you interview if they're in the film business and they do any genre films at some point they will shot at that house at I the West yeah, uh, yeah and I bet that they will know and they will have some stories. Yeah, there was a slew of uh, productions there. I know like they filmed like a scene in Jason or Halloween, one of those horror films. And um, so there's so many shows that were shot there too. They use a couple of the rooms. So yeah, I mean, I and Bryce and I even talk about this. It's, it's also what is brought into the location. So what is manifested when actors are, you know, delivering their lines with emotions That's and stuff like point. that. So Lord knows what was like left there, you know, from those feels and those emotions. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, real actors are great at that. I mean, it's an honest reaction. They're tapping mm -hmm. into that visceral emotion that's coming out. And if you leave that or if you use that other energy funnels through that, I'm sure it's seen some pretty dark opportunities, you know.
Oh, absolutely. Now, um, we go from West Adams to <laughs> to Heritage Square, Justin. Oh, I love Heritage Square. two whole weeks. Now, I just, <laughs> saw, I just saw a major special on travel with um, Jack Osborne and the family. So Jack Osborne takes Kelly Osborne, his sister, to Heritage Square because uh -huh. the place hasn't been fully or professionally investigated in years or televised. So sure. he goes there and sure enough, they experience a lot of interesting haunts, especially mm -hmm. in the Octagon home. Uh, and I'm just sitting there watching the show. I'm like, we've been there for two whole, try being there for two whole weeks, like 12 hours <laughs> a day. Yeah. And not to mention, we first started shooting in the green home, the Hale House, mm -hmm. which they also investigated. But um, I don't know, do you remember any stories um, and connections to any of the departments or from Ryan that people had experiences in one of the, the homes in Heritage Square? Yeah, you know, um, nothing specific. Unfortunately, you would think that there is a lot that's going on there because of the history. And, and you've explained what Heritage Square is to your audience before, right? It's all yeah. these oh. beautiful old homes and they moved over there. And so they come from all over the place and uh, they all are distinctive in their own way. Um, the Octagon House does seem to have like some strange energy. I think the Hale House is just beautiful and kind of, you know, Victorian Gothic kind of thing going on. It's spooky and and cool, but not, um, I think it doesn't feel off in any way. It just feels like pristine mm -hmm. kind of energy, but that, yeah, that octagon house, um, you know, the parts of the walls have been broken out and there's like wallpaper behind wallpaper behind slats and kind of like, it just, it, it has some strange energy. Plus there's like, I don't know if there's a whole feng shui thing going on, but uh, houses aren't built like kind of in the round, you know? So right. to be able to move from one room to the next room to the next room, and that's the only way you can come like in or out or anything. It's just a little odd. So the energy yeah. there was pretty, it was a little spooky. And um, I, I, I will admit to um, when closing up at the end of the day to maybe running <laughs> away, <laughs> you know, like if you, that feeling you get when you're going upstairs in the basement or something, yeah, you, you can't walk upstairs from the basement. And so it's that same kind of thing. You just feel like something's in there in that octagon house for sure. Yeah, a lot of people had problems in that house. Like I remember Callie said that people like would go in and come out feeling very sick and very disoriented. Yeah. And um, there's a bathroom there on the first level that people hated to walk through. And, I, mm -hmm. and I think Ryan said something where he was using that bathroom and something happened where everything seemed like it came to a silence or a halt. And it mm -hmm. just seemed like like it was like a, a time stop, like mm -hmm. just all of a sudden went quiet and he was just like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's and, a bad sound on a film set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute, what just happened? But um, yeah, that, that house, like it, it got to a lot, it got to quite a few people. And I remember watching the show with Jack Osborne, but that was the house that really, it they captured a lot of anomalies and a lot of, uh, of things that people they couldn't explain but i remember like us shooting out of that house for like an entire week and i was like yeah that house was was interesting i didn't like going into that house either like there was just i don't know something about it that it was really, disorienting. 
Yeah, it was very disorienting. It kind of knocked you off. And of course, we put like, there's a haze that's used, you know, so the house and the lighting that we were doing was very moody. Um, and we made it very claustrophobic because like, if you see the movie, this is where, uh, this is till death. So Wendell and Carol are in, um, this, this, their apartment and, um, a bunch of like kind of claustrophobic books and a lot of bunnies because that's gifts that Wendell would give to Carol all over the place. And so the thing was made to kind of feel lived in, but like run down. Right. And so in, of the set dressing and the fog and the atmosphere and the lighting and in that place in and of itself, which is just very again, a little unnerving how it's laid out and has some history that you just kind of can feel or almost smell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, it's pretty spooky. <laughs> yeah, we, um, I was in the Hale house and it was so interesting because I remember like, oh, where's, uh, where's wardrobe going to be placed? And I remembered the, uh, the docents who were there, they're like, oh, you're going to be on the, on the second level. I'm like, really? Like, cause no one's allowed on the second floor. Yeah. And I was like, score, you know, because I've heard of the house. I heard of this, like, possible paranormal, uh, you know, associations to the house. And I was like, I'll get to do some investigations. Uh -huh. But sure enough, while I was stationed out of there, I remember I was fixing a pair of pants for one of the supporting actors. And I, I could have sworn I heard, like, children giggling. I heard running back and forth in the hallway. And there was a story associated to one of the master bedrooms across from where I was stationed of a woman in white. So I would hear some strange things coming out of that master bedroom. And every time I would open that door into that bedroom, nothing was out of place. No one or nothing was there. So it was a very interesting location. But like you said, it, I, I mean, in some places you're going to feel like when you're in danger, when it's negative, but I just, yeah, I didn't feel like it was negative. I felt like, there was something there that was trying to make itself known. And I think it was just either playing with me or trying to say hi. But after I left, I felt like such a, an attachment to the house. Like, oh no, don't leave. Like kind of like it was pulling me back. It was very hard to explain, but. Every time I come back to Heritage Square, I feel the same thing in those mm -hmm. homes. There, it almost is like, you know, if you're good to them, they probably want you to stick around and come back yeah. and like an old friend. But if you're, yeah. you, know, you trust, then that could probably turn pretty quickly yeah. um, something else interesting about heritage square is they have a lot of donations of like wardrobe and like, books, you know, like medical equipment and other stuff so they have museums and things um on the campus there but they also like have dressed every home with real artifacts that like someone has willed so like the record player in this one house is like this beautiful old family heirloom that was donated or you know uh, there's an exhibit with like one of the homes is, uh, was set up to be like um, uh, one of those homes from back in the day where it's a doctor that lives in half the house and the other half is his practice. Mm -hmm. So like all the tools, there's a bed and thing there that like would allow him to operate on and such. And so these things are all real. They're not props and they're given from like, you know, passed down over generations and donated to Heritage Square. So every one of those elements that's throughout these houses has a story probably as well. And so Absolutely. If it might not be the physical house. There's probably opportunities for, you know, others to be attached to these things that mean they meant so much to someone. You know, if you take a doctor's tools that he worked with every day for his career and you move it, maybe if there is a ghost associated, it might go with the tools. So there's a lot of interesting energy there. And yeah, I never felt anything bad, but it definitely felt palatable. Yes. And I remember it. I think the, the biggest house there was the octagon that people are like, get me the hell out of that house. Just get me out. Yeah. But that is true. Yeah. That's what I, I remember telling one of the assistants there. I'm like, I, 
because I was asking them, I was like, is there any stories that you have? She's like, definitely the octagon. The, I think the other one, I can't remember the name of the White House. It was the White Queen Anne Victoria. And she's like, that one has a little weird vibe to it too. But she's like, other than that, nothing else, but we've heard stories, you know? And I, and I told her, yeah, you guys have a lot of antiques here. I think that that has attachments and it, it clicked in her head. She's like, yeah, you're right. Like we have a whole room of things that we still haven't gone through that have been donated to us. So, I mean, it, it's like this whole square is like this little orphanage of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, big structures that have been passed down and all these little trinkets and wardrobes. So it's so and cool. But yeah, yeah big, old black Victorian dresses everywhere. My yeah. God, uh, like those are, I don't care how many times you see it. When you round a corner and there's like an old, like, I don't know, morning dress, like in a, like, like standing up on a mannequin, it still scares a bejesus out of me. So that yeah. they had an exhibit there when we were filming, which had a few of those in a room, if you remember, Tammy, and that was oh, yeah. just, I had, nope, nope, didn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> I will admit, that. I did forget, get freaked out seeing it in the corner of my eye. I'm like, what? Whoa, okay, that's a mannequin. That's a mannequin. Okay. All that's right. <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> so now the production moves from Heritage, and um, you guys go to, it's it's Portland, right? It's Portland, yeah. Oregon. Yeah, um, you we go to Portland little, in Astoria. In Astoria, and mm -hmm. you guys were set up in another, <laughs> another Queen Anne that had all these stories <laughs> attached. What are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds, <laughs> Justin? <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that location and actually that town. That town has a lot of oh, it's interesting great, history. You guys. It yeah. was also shown on an episode of Ghost Adventures. Yeah, I mean, they those guys up there, we're friends with a lot of them now because we were there for two months filming and became friends with a lot of the locals. They're great people up in Astoria, Oregon. It's like a very small town, maybe 10,000 people or so. And it's from, like, you might recognize it from The Goonies or Short Circuit or Kindergarten Cop. Back in the day, uh, things were filmed there all the time. Um, but it hasn't happened for a while, except for a lot of traction from, like, ghost hunting uh, teams that go up there. When we were there, uh, the ghost adventurer guys from Travel Channel whatever, were just wrapping up filming, too. And that seems to happen at least a couple times a year. Um, people will show up and they will capture the town again and again because it's a, it has so much history. Um, and you can look it up and see all these great old pictures of, of the way it was set up. And the interesting thing about the town itself is um, it used to be kind of like a, a cannery town. So um, and, and ships kind of come in uh, on the Washington River, uh, big ocean liners and are, are kind of brought through all the way to Portland. So there's a lot of people coming and going throughout the years in this town, um, a lot of transient like you know, sailors and uh, other kind of blue collar guys that might just kind of make their way through um, over the years. Right. So a, a lot of old hotels and a lot of like big old kind of like industry money had built these pretty cool homes on hills overlooking. So like they could see the ships coming and going and things. So uh, the other cool thing about the town is that it was built a good portion of it on top of like a platform, uh, so to speak. So the water, kind of like a, what am I trying to say, with, with the pillars and, and everything. So it was built on, on these wooden kind of planks, so the water could go underneath it. Um, but over the years, they realized it's a bad idea because fire could just kind of wipe out the town, and it happened a couple times. So there are these great fires that would start to burn, and they couldn't stop it. It would just keep moving, working its way through the town until oh, they wow. like shut it down. Um, but the last time that happened, they built it back even stronger, and they, um, they made... 
they sealed off parts underneath the town with like concrete. And so ultimately the town has a network of tunnels that go throughout the whole thing that you know, connect homes and businesses. And you could at one point back in the day walk completely uh, from like one part of town to the other on these tunnels. And they even had like these old stained glass kind of like holes that they chip out in the concrete above the tunnel. So light could kind of come through um, with colored light, which is kind of eerie if you think about it. Oh. So a lot, there's a good friend of mine, Jeff Daly does tours under the tunnels, uh, taking you through the tunnels. So you can experience kind of like what life was like back in the day moving throughout, but the whole wow. network of underground caverns beneath this town is pretty spooky. Um, apparently also, this is where they would Shanghai people. Do you guys know what that is? Uh, <laughs> so back in the day, and I was surprised to find out this is a real thing. Um, so you'd have like drunken jerks that would like be, they'd want to get rid of in the town. And the way to do this was apparently when you get so drunk, sometimes they'd even slip them things in their drinks to make them more drunk. There were trap doors in some of these bars that they pull a lever and they drop down into the tunnels below. There, a guy would go in a wheelbarrow, throw them in there. Even apparently they'd give him some, like, I guess they enlisted the support of the town mortician who had like formaldehyde or something that they put over their mouth so they'd really pass out. And they take them onto a ship that's about to take off. They wake up on the ship when they're already out to sea and then they'd have to like work off their room and board on the ship or theoretically they'd be like thrown overboard or something. And they're gone to like China for oh my God. Like, like two months and then they come back or whatever. And I would imagine they're pretty pissed, but yeah. that's a way that they would crew up ships and get undesirables out of town. Oh it's a Shanghai. Oh and that's a God. spooky idea, but apparently that actually happened. That um, is some trap next doors level. And such. Oh, that, that is some is next level passive aggression. <laughs> so don't piss off people in Astoria or anywhere else, uh, because who knows, maybe you wake up on an ocean line. Oh my God. <laughs> that is I, I had no idea about that, about that's that little cool. town. And yeah, that, that does sound uh, pretty, pretty cool. Oh my yeah. gosh. And but, you know, it's, a, it's a great town. It's beautiful. Uh, the people are awesome. You, everyone should go visit Astoria, Oregon. It's unbelievable. I want to shoot many more movies there. Yeah. Um, but, I was excited uh, to hear that Goonies was shot there uh, along yes. the circuit. Yeah, of course. It's so idyllic. And it, it's hilly and the water's right there. And it's like foggy and kind of eerie uh, mm -hmm. throughout. So it's very atmospheric. And the, the reason why we went up there was we were looking for um, the mortuary that we're featuring in the movie. So we looked all over the country and even um, in Canada for like the perfect setup for what this iconic mortuary would be. And we found that in the Flavel House, which is there in Astoria. And so that's the mortuary you see in uh, the mortuary collection. And uh, it's this giant old Victorian that it's the film doesn't even really do it justice because you look at it on the outside and it looks like a something's a little off about it but it looks like a pretty big old victorian house but when you go inside you realize like the ceilings are feel like they're 40 feet tall like the proportions are all off and so the attic is like you know larger than my house over here in los Feliz or silver lake yeah. you know, it's like it's crazy how the proportions are just so ginormous there that uh it it, it has a, it takes on a very unique identity when you're mm -hmm. in it but it's very cool, and of course, a lot of history from the Favell family, and it's a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of late nights and early mornings there too. And people will swear up and down, but they saw things there as well. So, 
Yes. We, um, Kelly was telling us that her and uh, the wardrobe girl, I think it was Savannah, um, mm-hmm. That was there because Savannah was taking over the costume unit over there in Portland. Right, because we couldn't bring you up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce can contest. Bryce can contest because he was working with me at the same time at the school, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. so much going on. I was like, crap, I can't go. <laughs> but I remember Savannah was such a, an amazing chick because she helped so yeah. much from you know from that side of the town, but. She and Callie would tell me stories about the Flavel house that, you know, had an interesting, had an interesting vibe to it. Like, I think something happened in in the bathroom where people like did not like to use a specific bathroom on the second floor. Um, You think going into the bathroom, you would have some privacy. And apparently this one on the second floor, it was the complete opposite. And then <laughs> um, there were wreaths that you would find or certain like decor items in frames mm-hmm. that look so interesting that close enough you get, you realize, oh, they're made out of real human hair. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> another source of like, you know, possible, you know, items having some sort of like attachment sure. to it, of course. And then, of course, um, Savannah was telling me that there was an incident in her room where the blinds, I guess, opened or closed by themselves. Like, they shook violently by themselves. So, of course, first week, everybody's moving into this house. So crazy things are manifesting. (laughs) But I don't know if you heard anyone else had, like, any other crazy stories attached to the Favelle house. But it's more like, oh, we just kept on seeing things in the corner of our eye kind of thing, right? A lot of like kind of shadow dancing kind of stuff. Where Got like, you. Oh, really? Wait, were you just there? Did I, were you just talking? That kind of stuff. Um, right. I heard a lot of that. Uh, the spooky thing for me about the house was uh, in the second floor where like the master suites were, there's yeah. this weird wall in the middle of the hallway. Um, I don't know if uh, Savannah mentioned this, but it's, and it has like marbling or, or kind of like a, a tapestry of wood at the top. And it goes almost up to the top of the hallway. Again, these are huge hallways. And I'm like, what is that? So I asked the owner, like, what's, why is there a wall in the middle of the hallway upstairs? And he's like, oh, well, that was because, again, like all these old homes, similar to the one in the Kirksdale house. At one point, there was just one surviving member of the family that was living by themselves. And she was there in that hall, like in the master bedroom. And at night, she was scared that someone would come in to the house and get her, right? So she would lock that door, like a gate to get to her bedroom. So that energy kind of makes me a little uneasy. You know, if someone was scared every night, they're sleeping there alone. It's a big house um, that they literally built a wall to protect them. So that's a little eerie. That's very eerie, oh my Mm -hmm. God. And it might've just been good sense. Maybe she wasn't scared, but you know, my imagination of course goes to the place where like, oh my God, she's there you know, listening to things and hearing noises and worried that people could come up and get her Uh, or maybe not people. I don't know. Oh God, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) By all accounts, the Favelles are really nice, but uh, yeah, who knows? Anything with old history like that, you know? Another big question too, we got this a while back um, when we had Callie on um, Mm -hmm. our episode. Did you guys ever experience um, problems with the camera, electronics, sound going off by itself? Mm. There's this element where, you know, film crews mm-hmm. have gone to haunted locations, have had things happen to their equipment when they're perfectly sure. functioning fine one minute and then boom, the next yeah. minute they're dead. So I don't know oh. if you had 
any issues. I have, and it's funny, I can't think of the specifics, but this has happened a couple of times in Erie locations. I find myself in Erie locations a lot. <laughs> um, where batteries, film batteries will drain yeah. really fast. And, you know, camera teams are, you know, very savvy and they're like, oh, maybe something wrong with this battery. I'll recycle this and we'll do the thing, whatever. And they swap them out. But they will, I've seen it happen before where batteries will go down very, very fast, where it should last, you know, two hours, will last 10 minutes and it'll be mm -hmm. gone. And then I'll have to swap it out. And I think if you talk to any camera team or a DP, um, they'll have a lot of stories about that. I think the way that perhaps these things manifest um, have to do with, uh, you know, electricity, or at least you, they can be registered with electricity. Mm -hmm. And um, batteries do drain quite a bit in some of these areas. So, yeah, I don't remember anything specifically up there for that. But um, I do have, There's here's an interesting one that just happened. This is in the Mortuary Collection, but a, another movie I just um, finished uh, called The Old Ways. <gasps> yes, I yeah, forgot. So, yeah, Kelly was on that as well. And um, there is a strange sequence that happened there where we were filming... Um, uh, more or less an insert. And for those of you who don't know, it's just a simple, it's not a big scene with actors, just we're shooting, um, in this case, a, a series of books that we had and um, drawings that uh, we had made. And the movie, The Old Ways, is um, kind of about uh, a bruja. And so, you know, there's like shamanism and all that stuff involved. And so in these this one book that we're shooting, uh, we had an artist draw... Um, different you know like ritualistic kind of things and and symbols and you know like a lot of it he made up from his head i think but he might have researched some other ones i'm not quite sure but we had to shoot that thing no joke three different times because every time we something would go wrong with the card that would be saving the file oh and God. it it got to the point where um on the fourth try it worked but if it didn't on the fourth try, no joke, I was going to be, I was going to literally say, okay, we should not be doing this. Like there's something about it which doesn't want to be captured. Uh, but we got yeah. it and it's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at it at some point, probably next year, it'll be out. I highly recommend that you look at and watch the trailer for this film. Yeah. It is yeah. scary. But our Callie that we had on our show <laughs> was the makeup artist. And I remember her sitting in my dining room table designing the makeup for it. And I remember waking up freaking out because I went to go grab the coffee one morning and she had them all over the table. I'm like, holy shit, what is this? And <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, this is, this is the makeup. Um, it yeah. is so good, but it is, it takes, it is about brujaria. It's about a girl who is going through a possession. And, you know, Callie was telling me there are some scenes that you just felt like there could have been a presence. Yeah. And um, it was there. on the we built it was on a soundstage, yeah. Burbank. But but this again, the props we brought in, a lot of them, you know, have a lot of history. Yeah. A lot of them were brought in from uh, the southwest and from and were flown in from different parts of uh, the world. So there's a lot of authenticity, even on something that you know when we built a set. So you never know where where that kind of energy can come from. But in this case, it's so strange. I mean, this wasn't an old book that we were shooting. It was a new book, but it was there a new book. Yeah, or something in there that was doing something weird because it after it happened twice, we're kind of like, well, that's a weird coincidence. Three times, it, everyone kind of got a little scared. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But oh, that no. is, whew, you, Justin, and these locations and these things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you're still alive sitting <laughs> right now. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> 
but thank you so much for sharing these stories, no, um, telling us a little tidbit so about yeah the industry and everywhere else. Where can people find you? And also, where can they watch the old ways and the Mortuary Collection? Sure. So uh, the Mortuary Collection is out right now on Shutter. Check out Tammy's amazing work. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's unbelievable, unbelievable. and. I was, I was talking, talking uh, a little bit before we started recording about how I've been seeing um, different reviews come out and they, a lot of them specifically mentioned wardrobe. So well done, Aww, Thank so you awesome. so much. Well, our listeners really did enjoy the movie. They were very excited for it, Justin. They were, they were really, really stoked about it. And yeah, can people find The Old Ways? Old Ways will be out sometime next year. Um, it, uh, I can't tell you too much about what's going to happen with it, but we've already figured it out and it's, it's big news. So it's so proud of you guys. <laughs> and Callie, Callie designed the makeup. I, I just, unbelievable makeup. She, she did. She did such a great job. Like um, I, I, I will never forget her sitting at this dining room table that I'm sitting here right now and her just like cramming it out, like just knocking it out. I'm like, Hey, Kelly, I'm going to go to bed, okay? <laughs> Boom, <laughs> next morning, played, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> we've only played at Sitch's Film Festival uh, in Spain. That's where we premiered. Uh, we're going to play at a few others before uh, we come out to the public, but uh, there's already fan art on Kelly's makeup. Uh, yeah. So it's that cool oh that God. people already like it so much that they're kind of doing their own thing. So I'll look that out. Is I think insane. She, yeah. Oh, my God. It's pretty cool. Oh. I'm so proud of her. I know. She's grown up. She's grown up and gone <laughs> to do bigger, bigger things. <laughs> Justin, are you currently working on another crazy horror film again, or? Are you yeah, uh, and I are hard at work getting the next uh, thing going. So uh, hopefully, it won't take another ten years. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's going to go a little bit with pandemic. Yeah. It could. Who knows? Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we hopefully will have uh, a lot more opportunities to go to weird, spooky places and bring <laughs> stories yeah. out of that. So uh, maybe we'll have another excuse to talk after that. Yes, actually, yes, because I'm sure it's going to be in another haunted location. <laughs> be a lot of other. And you know, I'm going to call you and try to get you to come with us. So <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Why not? Why not? Bryce, you're coming too. Remember. We're going to follow you around with a BTS camera. That's what's going to yes. happen. Yes. I, for one, cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm twitching. Just, it's bad. It's bad. Well, thank you once again, Justin, for taking the time to sit and talk with yeah. us, to talk about horror, to talk about the industry, and to talk about ghost stories attached to film sets. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Fun. Thank you guys. Mm -hmm. Keep doing what you're doing. I love yeah. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Any anything else you want to deliver or say before we we close out? Nope. Check out our work on the Mortuary Collection. Hashtag Mortuary Collection if you like it. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, hopefully we can give you guys some more fun stories in the future. Yes, and also go Knowles, go Seminoles, go for That's right. Go <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Justin, once again. And guys, be sure to watch the Mortuary Collection on Shutter. Another huge, huge thank you to our friend and special guest, Justin Ross. Thank you, Justin, for taking the time out to sit down and 
speak horror films and ghost stories and haunted film sets. I mean, when you add three of those concoctions together, you get one hell of an amazing episode. Am I right? Now, if you're interested in learning more about Justin's upcoming film, The Old Ways, which I highly recommend, guys, that you watch the trailer. You can find it on YouTube and IMDb. You can find out more information on RottenTomatoes.com, YouTube, and imdb.com if you're interested in watching the mortuary collection which you can now you can stream the movie on the horror film streaming app of shutter you can sign up for a seven day trial you can watch shutter for seven days for free if you're like myself i love the friday the 13th movies and you can binge on all of them literally in one day how do i know this i've done it many times so yes be sure to catch the mortuary collection on shutter and you know another thing that we like too is when we see our listeners rate and review our podcast it means the world to us guys if you have a minute or two please go on apple podcast rate and review us give us five stars it really helps us indie podcasters out so so much it helps us become a little more visible and if you can't get enough of hollyweird paranormal then you can stalk us on hollyweirdparanormal.com yes we're big adults we have a website and you can binge our past seasons and our episodes on the website you can read our bios you can shop on our merch store you can even Tune into us on Deezer, Google Play, Castbox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Blueberry.net, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you're even more of a fan of Hollywood Paranormal and you want to be a Hollywood producer, you can by joining our Patreon. We have a phenomenal Patreon page and a group of patron members who we adore the hell out of. You can sign up and learn more on www.patreon.com forward slash Hollywood Paranormal. And what's amazing about joining our Patreon is that you'll automatically be inducted to our secret podcast society of Saturday Night Ghost Club. If you can't get enough of Hollywood Paranormal, then you can tune into a couple of these creepy stories that I've collected from friends, coworkers, and acquaintances of their real life scary stories, ghost stories, everything that will make you sleep with three or more nightlights on. Saturday Night Ghost Club, you won't regret it. You'll also be gifted magnet stickers coasters pins just for as little as one dollar or more per month for one month two months three months four months it doesn't matter we truly from the bottom of our hearts really appreciate your support and the support of our patrons and a little does go a long way and it really does help this Hollyweird paranormal podcast train moving and we love to see your beautiful faces and we love to read your messages and we love it when we also stalk your Facebook and your Instagram that's all Bryce so he does the due diligence just saying all right friends Till next time, be sure to be taking care of yourselves, checking in with one another, and most importantly, stay Holly weird. We have more interviews and episodes to come in the future, some really great ones. So stay tuned. We'll leave you with the rest of Wild Cherry. Till next time, friends.